Welcome to Changing Places, the podcast that believes places are powerful agents of positive social transformation. Each episode, Dean Keith Diaz-Moore from the University of Utah's College of Architecture and Planning will take you behind the teaching, research, and practice at the leading edge of innovation occurring in our college. Through informal conversations, you will learn the emerging issues, why you should care, and what you can do about them to change our world for the better. Welcome back to Changing Places, everyone. I'm your host, Keith Diaz-Moore. Today, we're joined by two guests, Professor Mimi Locker, Dean of the Faculty of Architecture at the University of Manitoba and a fellow of the American Institute of Architects, and Professor Ryan Smith, Director of the School of Design and Construction at Washington State University. Both Professors Smith and Locker cut their academic teeth in the University of Utah's College of Architecture and Planning and are but two of four of our faculty to get academic leadership positions over the past couple of years. This is indeed a rare occurrence and made us ask, what is there about the College of Architecture and Planning that fosters leadership? And we'll explore that question today. Mimi, Ryan, welcome. Thank you, Keith. It's good to be here with you. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. First, I want to start by saying we we miss you here. We miss you terribly. But we're just so proud of your accomplishments, your 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 daringness to lead in what's really an unpredictable time. It is simply wonderful to have you back and hear your voices again. Thank you. It's exciting to be here with you. Yeah, no, it's good to be with you, Mimi, and good to be with you, Keith. Absolutely. Let's get right to it. So when we first started discussing doing a podcast episode on this, both of you forward on on some deeply uh, compelling thoughts about leadership. And I thought we would just start uh, with each of you sharing, you know, maybe several of your bullet points um, and, and we can build the conversation from there. So, Ryan, would you mean mind going first? Sure. No, that's great. Yeah, when you asked that question, I started jotting down some thoughts. It was good. It was a time for reflection. Some of mine are, I think, first off, I think of leadership as service to others. That comes from Greenleaf. The question being not, am I succeeding, but am I helping others succeed? Do they grow as people? Uh, Are they healthier? Are they freer? Are they more autonomous? Mm -hmm. Um, Helping others grow and succeed. Number two, I would say, is choosing people over tasks. This is kind of relying on bottom-up leadership, much more sustainable than a top-down approach. And I like to think of this as situational leadership between embodying sort of a task behavior versus a relationship behavior. So people who are not, quote unquote, born good leaders, as we like to say, (laughs) they can grow into leadership by using sort of that approach. And then listen, in order to innovate, really great ideas, best ideas come from others. And a diversity of voices leads to better outcomes. And then finally, motivation for the leader and those they lead. Um, really comes from a sense of meaning and purpose. So asking the why before the what and the how. Uh, that's fantastic. There's there's a whole bunch to dig into, and, and we'll try to do that over the next uh, few minutes. Mimi, how about uh, sharing the bullet points you had sent on? Yeah, I'd be happy to. You know, I think it's important to recognize and to work with the particular expertise of each faculty member So who is a big thinker, who is a consensus builder, who can get things done? And that really helps when we're building teams, but also, you know, we can work with the faculty to help them become stronger in areas maybe where they have less expertise. Mm -hmm. And then as leaders, I think we need to set up processes that build collegiality and knowledge 
and also allow all voices to be heard. I feel like most people want to be involved in decisions that affect them, and we have to make sure that they have that opportunity and that no matter their position, they feel comfortable joining the discussion. And sometimes that means providing different ways for people to engage and share their ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then a third point would be to remember that it's rarely about you as the leader, right? That you need to listen carefully and allow space for empathy and understanding of things that are unsaid. And we, you know, we often hear from faculty when a situation has escalated and people are frustrated. And sometimes that frustration appears directed at us and it can e- be easy to take that personally. But if we listen carefully and with empathy, we can decenter ourselves in the conversation and be objective about the situation. Mm-hmm. And then I think my, my fourth point is really simple. It's just be fair, just, and ethical, always, without fail. Well, you know, as, as I reflect on what both of you have, um, have shared, you know, you both brought up in different ways uh, the importance of, of listening. And, uh, and I'm building upon, you know, the strengths of the individual team members that you have. And also that your success as a leader is found in, in their success. Why is this particularly critical and effective academic leadership? And Mimi, maybe we could start with you. Sure. You know, in academic leadership, I think it's critical that we listen because we'll learn so much about what has worked in the past and what hasn't. Um, what new areas of interest and research faculty are considering, what issues are important to students, what the staff might be dealing with. And like Ryan, I see academic leadership as servant leadership. It's not about furthering my initiatives or ideas. It's really about setting up others for success. So we have to identify and work to remove the barriers to their success. Right. Absolutely. Ryan, you want to add on some of those concepts? Yeah, no, I really like that, Mimi. You know, academic leadership is so unique. I think uh, I'm just reflecting. There's a certain percentage of faculty at any institution that have been there a long time, right? And so there's a history and a culture, and that culture can be procedural, operational. It's also can be just very social, Mm -hmm. and it deserves careful study and understanding, whether you're coming from the rank as a leader and being appointed that way or coming from the outside, uh, just to go into that really with humility and openness not be presumptuous, but also with kind of a critical eye. So when I came to Washington State three and a half years ago, I really didn't know what to expect. So I had certain goals, but those changed once I learned about the place, right? They really changed fast. And I made a number of mistakes initially. I focused on goals and actions instead of people and process. And really, when I was willing to learn uh, from others and that valuable lesson of just being humble and trying to understand the place, I think being a servant leader, as Mimi said, that's really when you can find success um, in, in your in your particular situation. Fascinating. Uh, you know, it's just so uh, so impressive what you two are offering here. Let me start with a couple things that come to mind, and and maybe first with Ryan. You highlighted this this notion of really you know initially focusing on 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 goals, and then you really learned you had to focus on people. It seems as though, you know, to really get to know people, what, what they're interested in, what strengths they bring, what's the importance of their motivation, and that leaders must lead with, with why is one of the things uh, I'm taking away before they get to the what and the how. Why do you believe that's the case? Uh, I think if there's no purpose, it really doesn't matter what you do or how you do it. So asking yourself why 
And those you lead why is really a grounding reminder of what's what's important. So uh, this allows me, you know, as a leader, uh, to not get caught up in a method or a particular approach, but to focus first and foremost on the direction we're all pointing. It's hard for me, personally, honest, to be honest. Uh, it's something I have to work at because I'm a good box ticker. I'm really good at that. <laughs> but when things get off track due to disruptions and a big one we all experience with the pandemic, sure. it's easy to get mired in details. But stepping back and asking with the faculty, staff, and students, and of, of course your superiors at the university, uh, really refocuses efforts and energy around things that motivate all of us. Things like student success. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we doing things that lead to that? New knowledge and research the environment, social justice, meaningful relationships. So if we're going to revamp curriculum, why? If you're going to collaborate on research, why? If we're diversifying our student body, why? Um, and for me personally, administration is, is fulfilling. Uh, it's fulfilling, but it's incredibly taxing as it is interpersonal heavy. So the why keeps me and those I work with focused and getting back to work on what, what's really important. I want to tie that together with something that Mimi observed uh, early on. So, you know, when when you come up or, or try to establish a why, there's always um, going to be an ethical base to that, right, in, in terms of establishing what, what is good, what is right and the right thing to do. And so I want to pick up on that unequivocal assertion that you, you, you ended it with when I first asked you to do bullet points, Mimi, your, your assertion of being fair, just, and ethical always, and I think you said without fail. Why do you think that's core to leadership in your mind? Yeah, there are a couple of reasons for this. I think as a leader, it's imperative to be transparent. But there are many situations in which you actually cannot share all the information or tell the whole story. And it's usually for reasons of privacy. Mm -hmm. But yet you know that people, your your colleagues, will have questions and they'll try to imagine a narrative. They'll try to fill in the blanks. And so if they know that you always act with justice and, and with ethics in mind, They'll know that they can trust that decisions were made fairly, even if they weren't able to be part of the decision-making process or even if they weren't able to have, you know, all the kind of information around what the whole story is. So I think that's one reason why it's important. Another reason is, you know, we're in this time of, of kind of upheaval and change, and we're becoming more aware of the wrongdoings of the past the ways in which voices were silenced and cultures were obliterated. Mm -hmm. And so those of us who are privileged to be in leadership positions really need to work hard to promote and enact justice. And that's social justice, it's environmental justice, it's economic justice. So that's why I think it's, you know, really imperative, and particularly in this time, that we're always, you know, fair and just and ethical. You you two are just uh, so inspiring and uh, amazing bright lights in, in architectural leadership. I, I'm wondering if upon reflection, do you think there was anything about your time in the College of Architecture and Planning that nurtured your wise and effective approaches to leadership? And I, I don't know who wants to go first on that one. I know you're not fishing for compliments here, but I have to say you were you always led from a place of ethics and empathy. And to me, that was a wonderful model, and it's something that I try to emulate in my own leadership style. So part of it, I think, was, you know, having leaders that we could learn from. That was important for me. I always think also, Utah, in a way, it's a little bit of an island, the University of Utah. It's, it's a great distance from other cities, and, and it's not part of the kind of rat race on either coast. So... 
you know, we have to be very resourceful in some ways. It's not flashy, but everybody's hardworking. They have a great, you know, great work ethic and tends to be very collaborative and in ways that maybe places where there's kind of more competition between people can't be. So for me, that's also another reason why I think that, you know, the College of Architecture and Planning at the University of Utah in particular was a great place to, to learn about leadership. I'm, I'm flattered what you mentioned, but I'm going to focus on the fact that I, I, I think that's right. I think here, you know, if it's going to work, we got to work together. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're not a, a, a rich university. As you said, we're kind of removed in some ways. And it gives us a chance to really focus, I think, on what's, what's important and support one another. So it's, it's a unique mix uh, th- that we have here. Ryan, I wonder if you have thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, at risk of uh, adding to the love fest, uh, <laughs> I have to say, you know, you both were uh, in a leadership position when I was there as a faculty member. Uh, Mimi as the chair of architecture and uh, Keith as the dean. And But if I think back, you know, I grew up as an academic at Utah. It was my first real appointment. And I, tr- I actually tried to grow out a beard to look older when I first started. Really? I wasn't today. here for that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, once, the hair, once the hair started falling out on the top, it didn't matter. Anymore. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in those beginning years, uh, I saw a number of bumps in leadership decisions and style, and it, it really impacted morale and productivity of the faculty. And I moved down into the students and the community, unfortunately. And you know, when we got a new dean and new chair, uh, I saw a transparent leadership model, uh, observing and listening to the community, you know, developing a vision around four R's and a values-based education, encouraging units to be autonomous and, and develop their own uh, sort of programs. And that was really, you know, leadership, being vulnerable in leadership and open to criticism. And, uh, and, you know, and the big one for me that I'll never forget, and we'll always be grateful to both of you, is that the empathy, care, and friendship you extended to me when I was ill for a year. And this allowed me to heal and regroup. And that's real leadership. I I would not be where I am today without that. Oh, that's that's a very sweet comment, Ryan. And, And both of you have gone on to do amazing things, which I think is where I want to turn the page to here. Each of you have gone on to different places, and I'm sure our, our listeners, our community would love to hear about the programs you lead and, of course, you know, what you miss about Utah. Hopefully there's something you miss about Utah. And Mimi, can we start with you? Sure. There are actually a lot of things I miss about Utah. I'm here in the prairies, right? And so I miss the mountains, that's for sure. A little bit north of the border. I'm getting ready for a real winter. Um, we'll <laughs> see how that goes. But, you know... University of Manitoba is, um, I'm finding to be an interesting place to be. Um, in the Faculty of Architecture, we have an undergraduate program in environmental design, and that has streams that flow into our four accredited graduate degrees in interior design, architecture, landscape architecture, and urban planning. We also have a small PhD program, so it's nice to have that broad set of um, disciplines kind of under one roof. There's a strong culture of making here, and there's this I think a kind of a renewed interest in the place itself. So people are really starting to understand and, and, and research and explore what is Manitoba? What does that mean? Canada has been, been kind of shocked by supposedly new findings about at the residential schools, finding the graves of children. This is knowledge that's been around for a long time, but people denied it. And so we're in a moment here that's really important where we're looking at truth and reconciliation. And I think 
the faculty here are really embracing this moment to get to 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 dig into that and start to really learn from our indigenous communities. So, you know, that was something that I loved at Utah is that we were very focused on our community and on our place. I, I miss that about Utah, but I'm happy that, that we're starting to do that same thing here in Manitoba. Oh, that, that sounds wonderful. Um, you know, it's, it clearly a, a, would be a, a painful thing to be revisiting, you know, kind of the, the, the past horrors, but at the same time, the fact that your faculty is willing to engage in the difficult conversations is um, really um, no doubt a tribute to, to you being able to open conversations on that. Ryan, how about, how about you at Washington State University? Uh, thank you. Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, we have a, quite a big school, the way this university is organized, large schools, large colleges, five undergrad programs across design disciplines. We also have a construction management in there and a construction engineering. Uh, we're within a college of engineering and architecture, so we have lots of collaboration with engineering. We have two master's programs, and we participate in a Ph.D. program. It's about 800, well, 804 students to be exact this, uh, this academic year. <laughs> You know, we really want to be an the integrated model for integrated design and construction education. Lots of integrated studios. Fourth year, all the design disciplines take a studio together. We share the first year. Mm-hmm. Lots of capstone joint kind of capstones together. There's a lot of opportunities there here for that. Um, but we're also excited. We just did a new search for a social justice faculty member that's going to be leading our charge on that. and um, We're excited about that. And as a land-grant institution, we engage deeply with communities and uh, professionals. I'd say about 60% of our classes are somehow community engaged. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities for that. Some, you know, you asked the question about missing Utah. It's funny. I was I was reflecting on that the other night, and I said, you know, the first thing I would miss say I miss about Utah is the CIS and MIS system. It's kind of funny, but it also <laughs> tells you a little bit about Utah. Utah is. Uh, if I have found to be incredibly organized. Um, oh, there's kind of a can-do spirit. The university dean, uh, sorry, the university president was the uh, dean of business, right, the new one. Right. And so I think that continues this, this, this sort of business-friendly and also commercialization environment that motivates students and researchers to be entrepreneurial, both socially entrepreneurial and, and commercially entrepreneurial. I think that's a unique aspect of Utah that I've, I've learned lessons from and trying to, tried to duplicate here. Uh, amazing. Uh, simply amazing. Mimi, Ryan, I can't thank you enough uh, for joining us today, sharing your thoughts on leadership. You've given me a lot to reflect upon um, and, and think about moving forward. And I hope you know, you know, all of your colleagues here, your students, we're so proud of you and, and hope you'll come back often to visit. I'd like to thank by, end by thanking our listeners for taking the time to join us and for spreading the word using the hashtag Changing Places. On behalf of the Changing Places podcast, Hosted by the College of Architecture and Planning at the University of Utah, I'm Dean Keith Diaz-Moore. Take care, everyone.